Good morning, Rock Bible Church. It's great to see you all this morning. Uh, it's good to have you. It's good to be in the Lord's house on Sunday for worship. Amen. Amen. Thanks for singing with us this morning. This is great to hear the church sing. It was uh, fun for me, at least. I hope it was fun for you. Hey, uh, I got ushers coming down. We got Bibles and outlines and pens for you to follow along this morning. We're continuing our series in the book of Matthew. Um, we're going to do uh, something a little different this morning. We're going we're gonna to split our passage, but we've got, a, we've got two bookends, the beginning of the bookend and the back bookend. We're going to catch both of those for this one. Um, we're going to hang out with Peter a little bit, and uh, it should be fun. Uh, let's let's get going. You guys ready? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for uh, your word and what it does for us. Thanks, Lord, that it's a sign that you want to communicate with us. And pray that you would show us what we need to see. Pray that you get our attention, uh, draw our attention to the past, present, and the future. Show us, Lord, how you are the author of it. You're in all of it. You're influencing it all. That we might one day be able to look back on it and chuckle. For we have a better understanding of who you have been, who you are, and who you will continue to be. So pray, Lord, that you'll see that in uh, us and that we'll see it in your word and see it in you this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Uh, Matthew chapter 26, uh, they're, at, they're, they're, at, um, they're at communion, they're at, at the Lord's Supper, and they're, uh, they've had their meal and such. We did a little teaching on that last week, uh, the intro to that. We're going to do more of it in a month and a day. Uh, but they're about to leave that, and they're going to go out to the Mount of Olives. This would be Thursday night. This would be late. The sun's gone down. And this is the beginning of that three days of so much that went on that really changes who we are as Christians. And, uh, and Jesus is getting ready for that. He's about to have his moment in the garden where he goes off to pray and the disciples. We're going to look at that in a couple weeks. Uh, but as he's going up to the Mount of Olives, he, he's going to float a little idea, and it's going to turn you into a conversation, and, and Peter's going to get in a whole lot of trouble. But don't worry, that never happens to you, right? Uh, Matthew chapter 26, here we go, verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. He, he loves how to start a conversation, doesn't he? And it's a rough conversation, right? It's not like, hey, did you see the latest movie? You will all fall away. Is that a generalized statement? It's, it's generalized over all of them, right? All of you are going to do something negative towards me. That's rough. And when's it going to happen? 
tonight. We just had a big meal together. Everything's going well. Following you for three. And he says, hey, tonight's when it begins. And, it, and he's kind of implying it's going to begin with you guys. Right? Not a phrase we would want to hear from Jesus. But watch him qualify it now. Because that phrase, you'll all fall away from me this night. Man, I think that's about me. If I say that to you, you know, you're going to leave the church. Doesn't it feel like it's about you? Right? You know, there's, a, there's another possibility. Could be about the church. Right? But boy, it feels like it's about you. You will all fall away because of me this night. Wow, Jesus, tell us something about us. His next sentence is going to change the focus. It's not about them. Jesus is going to tell us why they're going to fall away. And this one's a hard one. Deep theologians have argued about this for centuries. Like, what, what does this kind of mean, right? Why is this going to happen? For it is written. You're going to fall away because God ordained it. Is that a little weird? It's going to go south on purpose. Not your purpose. God's purpose. Is that a little bit weird that God would plan this? Uh, it, it gets harder for me to understand as we get farther in. It is written. Well, what's written? I will strike the shepherd. Wait, who's, who's going to strike the shepherd? This is written long before the disciples were ever around, right? It's prophecy. It was written. And who was telling it to be written? God. And what's he saying? I'm going to strike the shepherd. That's the plan. I'm planning a negative experience. This is the direction, the projection of where we're going. That's a little bit odd. And here's... Here, watch where it goes. I'm going to strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. That's the plan that God wants for the future with the Messiah. Isn't that a little bit weird? Let's ask a different question. Instead of weird, how would that make sense? How would that make sense? See, if we can take the focus off of ourselves for a second, hey, is this statement about me? Why am I going to fall away this very night? Uh, why am I the way I am as a Christian? How about we fast forward to today, right, this culture? Why, why am I missing certain things? And why am I spouse missing certain why, why? God designed for us to be holy, to have holes. Oh, I, I thought you meant spiritual. Yes, you're, you're two kinds of holy, folks. You're spiritual, and you got some gaps in the chain, right? Why would God design it that way? You ever notice uh, young, young kids playing volleyball, co-ed volleyball? What, what's the problem with some of the young boys? Playing co-ed volleyball, what do some of the young boys want to do? Huh? They want to show off. 
And they want to get every ball, don't they? Why? They want to impress. Look what I can do. I'm going to go, I'm going to make sure we win. I'm going to make sure everybody sees. I'm going to make sure that I get to make the play, right? So that when it's over, who gets the credit? The little boy. Now, the analogy only goes so far, but God's a little boy. When he makes a plan like this and everybody follows away and they strike the shepherd, there's only one person who can get credit when it works. When a weird plan that has no chance of succeeding actually succeeds, we call it a miracle. In Spanish, we say milagro. And we go, wow. And God says, what do you mean, wow? I could do that every day. I'm just making sure you get to see. Now, let's let you play. Let's set uh, some of the other kids play volleyball as well. Just so that you know who I am. It's kind of weird and beautiful at the same time. Because now I can ask better questions about myself rather than just, oh, why am I going to fall away today? There's a bigger guy involved, bigger plan, total control, smart as it gets. And that should be comforting. Be interesting if the disciples had said, wait, we're all going to fall away from you tonight. What's going on with you? How are you going to be? What's this mean for you? But the disciples, like us, get stuck on what? Ourselves, right? It's written, flock's going to be scattered. And then watch this, verse 32. But after I am raised up, whoo, didn't the plan just take a huge turn? Right? It was all negative. We're worried if it was about me. And why would God make a plan like that? Because what's the plan? But after I am, what's the next two words? Okay, pretty good. Try it again. We'll pretend we didn't do it once. Okay, we're going to call it the first run. Ready? I want to know what these two words are. But after I am... What's he know is going to happen? Is it okay for them to be scattered? Is it okay for them to turn away? Is it okay for it to happen tonight? Yeah, why? Because it's written. What? Going to be raised. We want to focus on the fact that we got scattered or that we denied him or that we turned away or that Christ had to die. And we could go dark all you want. But I asked the question, you want to celebrate Good Friday or you want to celebrate Easter? Both. We got to be careful. We don't get stuck on the dark side, right? Because then you're Darth Vader and it doesn't go well, right? Have you seen his face? You, you got to make sure you spend enough time on the, on the bright side. Because God's good news is always greater than the bad news. There's a great little example of that. Hey, hey we're going to strike the shepherd. The sheep are going to fall away. But what a great word, right? It was dark. But after I am raised up, 
Oh, can you imagine all the sentences that could be put after that for your life? The game's going to change. Things will go better. You'll have hope. You might get married. Uh, who knows? Your kids will pass the class. You won't have a dog. After I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. After I'm raised up, there's a verb attached to I. I will go. Now, on the simplest level, here's what I want you to understand. After he's raised up, he's not done yet. Guys, the goosebump moment should be he's not finished. He's still working. He's got places to go, things to do. I will go before who? You. I'm going to start doing things and you're in the sentence. You get to be part of it. This is just one of the acts. There's an intermission. But you know what happens after? <sighs> Fun. Fun. I will go before you to Galilee. He does, by the way, there's proof later in the passage. You can look it up if you want. I'm going to go before you to Galilee. And Peter decides now it's time for him to get involved. Um, excuse me, sir. I'm a little confused. I have some questions. Right? What's this with you being struck in? Raised up? Raised up from what? Why are we going to Galilee? Are these his questions? They'd be great questions. I would like to think that I would ask those questions too. But I know myself. And I'm like Peter. And this is why Peter speaks up, right? Peter has lost focus of what's really going on here, and he's missing the message. He's close, but he's just a little bit off. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Emphasis added. Right? Um, what's Peter trying to say in your own words? Not me. Not me means something, right? What's implied in not me? I'm, I'm better than that. Whew. He just told Jesus that he was better than Jesus thought he was. That there's funny. That is comedy. I'll never fall away. Um, is that the truth? No, no, no. That's why we're studying this passage this morning, right? If he had told the truth and been right, whatever, it wouldn't have been a story, been a non-issue, wouldn't have made it in the book, right? Zero conflict there, not exciting. No one will pay tickets to that show. But we know he's telling a lie. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you this very night, ooh, timeliness again, before the rooster crows, you will what? Deny me three times. Woo! Uh, get out your outlines, please. Look at the top. It says Matthew chapter 26, verse 30 through 35 and uh, 69 through 71, right? And what's the title right beneath it? What's wrong with denial? There's a lot of things that are wrong with denial, right? 
Somebody asked me, what's wrong with denial? I said, nothing. It's in Egypt. It's right. It goes up and down. <laughs> River's fine. A lot of alligators, but right? Uh, what's wrong with denial? It causes a lot of things. And we're going to look at some of them. Uh, but he's starting to lie, isn't he? And we look at it because God put it in the book because it's a problem we have too. And the question is, will Peter deny Jesus? Uh, more important question is, will you deny Jesus? How do we deny Jesus? And what happens to us when we de deny him? What's wrong with denial? And we're going to see it. It's a scathing report on our, on our little buddy, Pedro. Forward is written. You're all going to fall away this very night, and you know what? It's going to happen before the rooster. Jesus knows in the morning, every morning, what's the rooster do? Right. Now in the middle of the night, once it gets a little bit early, but it's not quite time, you might hear one crow. Some, every once in a while, you might hear a crow. But when they crow three times, the third time you know, it's morning. Right? Boy, he's put a timeline on this, right? As the sun rises... Before then, you're going to get in trouble three different times. Not just once, Mr. I'll never fall away, even if they all do. No, not just once. This is going to be a pattern for you, Peter. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not, there's that word again, deny you. Boy, Peter's sticking to his story, right? The talking points, he's got them down. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And then watch this little sentence. And all the disciples said the same. Wow. Kind of interesting. We always think of Judas and Peter as the guys who messed it up. The two of the twelve that really kind of messed it up during Passion Week. You ever ask yourself, where were the other ten? The last time when we looked at Judas not too long ago, we found out the disciples were all saying the same thing that he was saying. Just the spotlight was on Judas. All the boys were in trouble. They're all thinking the same things. And you know what? They're thinking the same thing here. In fact, I joked about it when I said a few minutes ago, I'd like to think that I would have asked these questions, right? It's a humorous way of saying, I'd like to think that I'm better than that which a politically correct way of saying, I think I'm better than that, right? I'd like to think, well, we, we try to clean it up like that. It makes it a little softer, like somehow then it's okay. No, you're a liar and a cheat still, Scott. Even if I was, I will not deny all the disciples said the same. Amen? Is that true? Which part, Scott, that the, all the disciples said the same, or did, is Peter's statement true? I want to know about Peter's statement. Was Peter's statement true? Not true. All right. Uh, this gets us uh, through the first part of the story, right? And all of a sudden, now they're off, and other things happen, and here come the guards, and they pray, and, and, and you know, not in that order, obviously. Uh, he's off to trial. A lot of questioning, accusations. Now they're in trial and they're, they're figuring out what, what to do with Jesus and the disciples have followed along. And we find Peter again. 
We find Peter again after the first bookend. The first bookend was, hey, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Oh, no, I won't deny you. Even if they all do, even if I have to die, I'll never deny you. Two promises, both lies. That's the beginning. But we get into a bunch of story, and I want to I want to skip that middle story and get to the, the last bookend. Let's find out what happens with Peter and the denials, right? So we skip forward to verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. What courtyard? He's sitting outside in the courtyard, right outside where they're putting Jesus on trial. Is he inside for the trial? No. He's keeping a little distance, right? Um, is that denial? Subtle denial? Yeah, I see somebody that needs help. I think, um, I hope they do okay. What did I just do? Walk away. I denied him, right? Well, it's not a capital D denial. It's like a lowercase denial. Great. Thanks for mincing the words. A servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean. In case you were confused about which Jesus the one inside on trial, the Galilean that we're all here to see to figure out what's going on. You were with him, right? Now, is she telling the truth? Is she paying attention? She's got the details down, right? This smart little girl, uh, which is proof you now in the Bible that we got smart little girls. Amen? I'm so sick of people telling me that the Bible is anti-gender. No, it's all over the place if you know how to look for it. Okay. A servant girl came up to him and said, hey, you're here, you're with him. Verse 70, but he, before them all, not just her, before more, why, she makes a scene. Now everybody's paying attention. And he denies Jesus in front of all the people now paying attention. She got uh, from her phrase, he said, I don't know what you mean. One, is that the truth? Is that the truth? I don't know what you mean. He knows exactly who Jesus of Galilee is, right? Why is he there? To be outside the courtyard where the trial's going on. He knows exactly what's going on. He lies. Is that denial? Yeah, how do we know? <laughs> Third word of the verse, 70. But he denied, right? I made you say it out loud. And when he went out to the entrance, he went out to the entrance. We'll come back to that. Another servant girl saw him and said, uh, and she said to, uh, to the bystander, this man was with not just a Galilean, now Jesus of Nazareth. She's getting even more specific. That specific town within the area of Galilee, you're with him. Another smart little girl. And again, he, with an oath now. Methinks thou protest too loudly. I do not know the man. Is it a lie? It's a lie. It's a denial. But I, I really want you to see. What did she call him? Jesus of Nazareth. What did Peter call him? Man. Took away his title. When you start to deny things, 
you diminish value of the thing you deny. That's what she did. I do not know the man. Verse 73, after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you two are one of them for your accent betrays you. You know what? Having listened to the little girl's questions, you know, I've been thinking about it. You sound just like him. In fact, I want to ask you some questions because I just want to hear your accent when you respond, right? Uh, by the way, guilty. I do that with people. Like when they have a great accent, I just start asking them questions because I want to hear them talk, right? Especially people from the South. That's right. Um, it, it's your accent. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear. Wow, he just reverted to like third grade or something. 13, he became a teenager again. I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. He lied again, didn't he? In his denial. And then the rooster crows. Which means who is telling the truth? Jesus. You find it odd that uh, Jesus knew all this, predicted all this, told it to Peter so that Peter be clear on it. Peter messes it up <laughs> three ways to Sunday. And Jesus goes through with his plan anyways. Almost as if he's not worried about the plan or worried about what this is going to do to Peter. Because Jesus knows who Peter is. Jesus knows Peter's value. And Jesus knows what he's going to be doing with Peter in the future. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. might be one of the more beautiful parts of the passage. Because you know what just changed? Peter's inner dialogue in his own head. He was trying to sell something before that wasn't true. And now that this has happened, we've, he starts to change the inner dialogue. What's wrong with, de with denial? It changes your inner dialogue. Right? It's not a fill-in, but this is what happened. And he went out and wept bitterly. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Uh, what do we do with denial? What do we do with this passage? What do you do with Jesus' foreknowledge of what was going to go on and almost blatantly parading it? I think there's quite a few things. In fact, uh, we've, we've broke a little bit of tradition. There's four fill-in lines this morning. Uh, and I messed with the third one a little bit, it's, it's, it, but it's going to be fun. Uh, one of the first things I think we need to recognize is that you can deny him but Jesus won't be denied Jesus comes in with this statement you know tonight you're all going to fall away Peter says no yeah before the rooster even no twice he says no then when it comes to having he denies him three times and can you deny him I mean Basic logic, 
we, we, can, we can deny Jesus whenever we want. As quickly as you can accept that truth, can you accept the truth that Jesus will not be denied? Because it's one of, one of just amazing pieces of that passage where it says, this is going to happen for it is written. This is the way it will be. And I am more and more entranced with God's idea for me to understand that he is in control of all things. That ultimately we're going to be okay. That if I pursue him, I'll be fine. If I just stay on the path, I'll be fine. If I stay on the path, my marriage will be fine. If I stay on the path, people around me will be fine. That's hard to see. Almost impossible to see. And it's difficult to believe as well. Here's how I start to see it and how I start to believe it. When I recognize the fact that when Jesus says he's going to do certain things, even if it means death, even if it means pain for a little while, even if it means the, the sheep got to be scattered for a little bit, when I start to see him do those things and have them happen, I got to remind myself the biggest piece of the equation is not am I denying or not? But what am I denying? I am denying he who cannot be denied. It's kind of weird. Play on words. right? In my own inner dialogue and stuff I say to other people, I can deny him. But in reality of what will happen, Jesus will not be denied. He says, after I am raised up, and he says it nonchalantly with total confidence, like, look, I'm going to be raised, and then we're going to, it's like, it's going to happen so for sure that we're just going to call it part of the story, and let's tell the rest of the story. And I can't help but be, be just fascinated with the idea that if I could get beyond the cross, if I could get beyond Easter, and realize that there's more story past that. What's that story look like? Could I start something? Could I do something? Could I have an influence? Could God use me? Fix me? Forgive me? Oh, there's so many options of where the story can go. But we get fixated on, well, was it real? Was it not? I don't know. You know, there's still ancient transcripts, and we can argue about all kinds of stuff. My experience has been different than this, and I don't understand why he would ask us to avoid this no matter what. Seems kind of unrealistic. Until you recognize that God has been doing unrealistic from a human perspective. From human eyes, God's been doing unrealistic the whole of his existence. He only deals in the unrealistic. And for him, the term is very confusing. What do you mean? God can be confused? Yes. God can be confused with the phrase unrealistic. You know why? Because to him, everything is real. Unrealistic does not exist in his do dojo. 
Yes, Sensei. Right, little shout out to Karate Kid. Unrealistic just doesn't exist for him. And I start to ask the question, what in my life, what in my future, what in me will he not be denied about? What's he want? You know what, folks? At that point, I could care less about Peter and whether he denied because I want to get back to telling the truth and figuring out what's, what's next. Let's get there. I start getting excited. I'm trying really hard to keep my voice down right now. Certain people say I get a little bit too loud at times. I scare people. Maybe they need to be scared. Right? You can deny him, but Jesus won't be denied. Amen? Secondly, don't change the subject. Stop changing the subject. Jesus comes in, hey, this very night, you're all going to fall away because of me. Here's why. They're going to strike the shepherd. The sheep are going to get scattered. Folks, there's two subjects that are potential topics of conversation in that. The heaviest one is we're going to strike the shepherd. The shepherd's going to go away. That's the subject. You will all fall away because of, starts with M, ends with E. Because of me. What's the real subject? Jesus, right? Don't change the subject. Namely, Jesus. For it is written. Why was it written? So you'd know about the sheep? No. Hey, folks, newsflash, and I'm sorry if this crushes you. The Bible is not about you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I have had, I had some of my greatest conversations with Dr. Laren Heath. Right? Normally I would call him Laren or Pastor Heath or Laren Heath. But for this topic and this thing right in this moment, what I'm about to tell you, I have to call him Dr. Laren Heath. Because we had these great conversations about the subject of the Bible. And he thoroughly convinced me over and over in many different ways. Who's the Bible about? It's about God, Jesus, his Holy Spirit, who he is, what he's done, how he interacts with people, what his plan is. Some aware in there how he did it. Sometimes not. It's about why he tells us some things and doesn't tell us other things, right? And what do we good humans do with a book that's about God, about Jesus? We turn around and let's change the subject. It's got to be about me and how often I can engage in sex. No, it's not about that. You know, the only time we've been given rules in the Bible is to get our attention back to Jesus, right? Why did he give them the Ten Commandments? So they'd know who God was, right? He's been trying over and over to get our attention back on track to the most important subject, Jesus. What's the problem with denial? You become the main subject. Don't change the subject. You will be better always if you try to figure out in every scenario 
how is Jesus the subject of what's going on here? I want to make you very few promises because I break my promises. Here's one I think I can make you. If you make Jesus the subject of all your scenarios and try to figure out who he is, what he's doing, and why, it will go better for you. And here's, here's a subtle side promise with that. It might not feel like it at first. It might feel like this is a little bit weird. It might be uncomfortable. It might be costly. It might hurt you a little bit. But Jesus took the ultimate hurt for a little bit to have the ultimate victory. And we've got to learn how to take ourselves out of being the subject and let Jesus maintain his position. Amen? And this is where i got to point out Verse 35, hey, I'll, I will not, even if I must die, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. It is our human nature, it is our human culture, it is our human mentality, it is our human heart to make ourselves the center of the conversation. And it is by definition, folks, sin. Ooh, said that little dirty word. It's sin, all right? Uh, Jesus is doing for you what you aren't doing for him? You figure this out in the story? Is Jesus telling the truth through the whole story? Let's go broader even. Through the whole of the whole story, right? Jesus telling the truth. Peter telling the truth through this story about Jesus? No, Jesus telling the truth about Peter. Peter not telling the truth about Jesus. Jesus is doing for you what you aren't doing for him. You know this is like a fundamental truth. Like even on our best day, there's time, there's little ways for us to deny him. I think one of the things that just screamed out of me at this passage this week as I'm studying is Jesus is doing for you what you, what you aren't doing for him. Man, guilty. I get lazy, I get tired. People ask me, who are you? What do you do? Folks, when you're a pastor, that's an exhausting question. It's a can of worms, right? It, it's a mess. I, I'll be honest. There's times when people ask me what I do. I'm the president of a nonprofit organization. International nonprofit organization. Because we go to Mexico. Right? It's much easier conversation sounds way better right and in the subtlest of ways what have i denied i'm a pastor pastor for who jesus whose church jesus right what's going to be awkward for them when i tell them i'm a pastor you know the topic the subject is jesus you know it's weird is nobody outside the church ever confuses what the main subject of the church is they all know it's jesus you know who gets confused the church people. <laughs> it just happened yesterday. St. Patrick's Day Parade in Dublin yesterday. Uh, and they got the fair, I think, today again. Down to City Hall. They got booths everywhere. Corned beef. It's, oh, oh, it was just amazing. You got to go. Okay. But I ran into somebody and they were like, no, 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 no. what do you do? And I thought to myself, you know what? 
just, I'm going in both feet. I'm a pastor. Oh, really? Where? Rock Bible. Oh, is that? I think I've been there. Yeah, tell me about it. I just, I just said, I'm going to tell it. I'm going to tell it all. Right? Because I'm going to buy into the fact that he won't be denied. And can I do for him what he's done for me? I know so much about myself because of him. People know about me because of him. How much do other people know about him because of me? Am I doing for Jesus what he's, do, what he's doing for me? I started to look at the passage and back and forth. We're not going to go into all the verses and the whole thing. But uh, Jesus has done for you what you haven't done for him. Past tense. Ultimate example, he died for you. You haven't died for him yet. Ooh, why'd you have to throw the yet in there? Here's my big curiosity for the morning on this one. Jesus will do for you what you won't do for him in your future. Those statements, those pairings are meant to be past, present, and then future. And, and here's the challenge for you. Can you have the focus of that, rather than being you, have the focus of that be the top phrase rather than the bottom phrase? What will Jesus do for you in your future? What has Jesus done for you in your past? Because you can get spinning on the indictments of the, of the bottom phrase and worry about that. And the only way to feel better about what's written, predicted, predestined, foreknown is if you focus on the top one and enjoy the top one because it'll, it'll inspire you to do more for him, do more with him in your future, in your present. You change your inner dialogue and put you on the right path. A great concept. Great concept. Um, lastly, I want, to, I want you to see verse 69. All right, Peter's sitting outside the courtyard, which, by the way, is one of the things that Jesus would have done for him that Peter didn't do for him. He was sitting outside in the courtyard. Where would Jesus have been? Yeah. The next little girl that shows up, it says, well, we'll get to that, but it says he was heading out the entrance. What's wrong with that phrase? He was heading out the entrance. He's heading the wrong way. Which way had Jesus been going? He'd have been going in the entrance, right? It's like my dad used to always say, we walk in the front door and we walk out the front door. Took me years to figure out what that means. I hope you get it faster. Uh, the little girl, right, servant girl, came to him and said, hey, you were with Jesus the, the Galilean. Skip down, verse 71. Another servant girl saw him, said, bystanders, hey, wasn't he with Jesus in Nazareth? And then we get down to verse 74. Peter says, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Peter lie about Jesus? How many times? Wrong. Two to his face. And then three later. Five times. I love finding stuff that my Sunday school teacher got wrong. 
I've been told my whole life that Peter denied Jesus three times. No. Denied him five times. Two to his face. Lied to him. Told him he was wrong. I'm better than you think I am. That's a denial, folks. And then three more. Two to the little girl. One to the bystanders. He denied Jesus. Did he tell the truth? Never. Did Jesus tell the truth? Folks, did the two servant girls tell the truth? Here's, here's, here's the last one. Did the rooster tell the truth? Sun's coming up. What's wrong with denial? You get beat by the stinking rooster. You lose to the rooster. Be the girls and the rooster. Tell the truth. What's wrong with denial? You're lying. It's a sin. I love that Jesus shows up, Peter, with a rooster and two little servant girls. In that cult, I mean, you're not worth a bird. So awesome. There's dripping irony there, folks. The two little girls who are not part of the game. The bystanders. The rooster that said, non-thinking, non-feeling, you know, get in trouble with FEMA, I'm sure, statement here, but it's just a brainless little animal. And they're paying attention to what is going on and what cannot be denied, and they're going with, they're going with the flow. They're buying into the system. How rough would it be if you were a confused rooster? How long does that rooster last? The rooster that just crows all the time randomly. What do they do to that rooster? Nick? Shoot him in the face, right? That rooster's gone. Praise God that we get more chances that he's still around, that after he is raised up, he will go, that he's not done yet, that he's moving forward, that truth works, and we have a shot at it. May denial be removed from our vocabulary like unrealistic is removed from God's. Amen? Uh, where do you deny in him? What of his are you denying? Who of his are you willing to deny? How can you fix it? Where's God tugging on you to do a little more, a little better? You see, I can't answer those questions, folks. Nor would I. Because one of the greatest experiences in your relationship with the Lord are your experiences that I can't know. I'm too busy working on my own. Let's all get busy with him and avoid denying him, even in the subtlest of ways. Amen?
That's how a church makes a difference. Lord, thanks. Thanks that uh, you gave us this great story. Thanks that, Lord, uh, you worked with Peter, not against him. That you redeemed him, that he became a leader of the church in so many ways. Thanks, Lord, that you loved interacting with him. Thanks for how you interacted him. And may that be a sign to us, Lord, that you are the subject. And that we get to be in the game. We get to participate. You want to interact with us. And may that be true. God, show us the subtle things, like the little statements of these two little girls, the subtle things, like the, the, the crow, the rooster, that we might pay attention to the things that you're, you're trying to draw us to. And then, Lord, help us to pay attention to that which is more than subtle, things that have been written, things that have been clearly laid out. And may we believe those things and know that you will not be denied of them, And that your truth reigns. Show us how to do that. Show each one of us how to do that, Lord. We thank you for the offering that we're about to receive. And pray, Lord, that for those who call you and your son God and call this church home, that this is a good experience for them. And what they do, not as guests, but as part of your family, that you'll take and bless. And we say this, we pray this in your son's name. Amen.